0: Hello sports fans and welcome to another episode of Just Sports and in today's episode we're going to be talking about the NCAA men's basketball teams and what I'm going to do in this episode is I'm going to give you, my listening audience, my personal top 10 teams in the NCAA as of right now. Now when I say now I don't mean that I think this ranking is just going to be teams right now they're top 10. No, when I do a top 10 it's that I think these are the top 10 teams that have the best chance to win the tournament as it stands right now. Now, obviously, you know, probably do an update to this at some point that's going to change either due to a lot of injuries or just the way that that teams are performing. You know, we might have enough teams fall out of my top 10 from what I have now to what I have the next time I do it. Uh, but that's going to be the idea behind the top 10 is that they're the top Ten teams in terms of who I think has the best chance to win it all, and so uh, you know we're talking in uh, college basketball here, and, and you know a lot about college basketball is I think there's a lot more people kind of enjoying watching the NCAA basketball than there probably are the NBA right now. Uh, I don't get me wrong, I, there might be more NBA fans, but I think there's probably a lot more enjoyment. For college basketball fans, and I think the, part of the big reason for that is that college basketball is able to tap into all these athletes that this is kind of their last stop. This is their last hurrah, their last glory. They're putting it out there all on the floor, heart, mind, body, soul, everything, and they're getting after it. They're doing the best they can. They're going out with a bang, whatever you want to say. They're they're putting it all out there, and, and plus. You have guys that are going to the NBA that may be ones and duns, meaning one year in college and then off to the NBA. They may be two or three years in, then deciding to go because they grew up so much and are now playing at elite level. And so you have a lot of these dynamics, just these different dynamics that make it exciting. I mean, you watch some guy that comes off the bench. You know, for a team like Iowa State or something like that, that you never heard of. And all of a sudden, dude's going off for 15 points and he's not an NBA player, (laughs) you know. So it's stuff like that. You know, you get in the tournament and you have a run, uh, you know, from a Florida Atlantic or somebody like that. That you're like, who in the world is this team and who they beat this year? And you start looking them up and you start getting, uh, you know, that sense of I want to root for this underdog and it just makes everything fun. So I think there's a lot of excitement in college basketball. And uh, I think the transfer portal also makes it exciting. Although sometimes it's frustrating for alumni and fans, but you know, when you get an influx of one or two guys on your team, that all of a sudden takes you from like a mediocre team to a contender for the championship. Man, does that make it exciting? And um, we just have a lot of that going on right now in college basketball. And so it's going to be, it's going to be hard to see if this top 10 team will, these top 10 teams will continue to be in my top 10, or if because of some of those things, they will end up going out or whatnot. So anyway, that's uh, a lot about college basketball there. And uh, one thing that it brings me to with the transfer portal and talking about the landscape of college basketball right now is you know, the coaches, we're kind of also at a turn point with coaches. We, in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of really good coaches, leave. bait Jim Beheim, Mike Krzyzewski, you know, uh, guys like that, that have, have left, um, you know, Roy Williams, people that had multiple championships that are, are, you know, no longer coaching. And we have a lot of kind of newer guys, if you will, or guys that have been around for a while, but just haven't been able to get it put together. and you know, we only have seven head coaches in all of the NCAA men's basketball that have won a championship. So let me repeat that. Only seven head coaches in all of the NCAA men's basketball that have even won one championship. And we only have two that have won two. We don't even have a head coach right now that has won more than two championships. And so when we look at the coaches. We have Rick Pitino and Bill Self. They've each won two. And we have Tony Bennett, Calipari, John Calipari, Scott Drew, Dan Hurley, Tom Mizzo. uh, are the only other ones that have um, won a championship. So just, again, to repeat that, so Rick Pitino and Bill Self have won two. Tony Bennett, Virginia, John Calipari, Kentucky, Scott Drew, um, Baylor, I believe – Dan Hurley, UConn, Tim Michigan State are the only other ones. And so, as of right now, uh, Bill Self, John Calipari, Scott Drew, Dan Hurley, Rick Pitino, all still seemingly have a chance to add another one to the resume. Their teams are doing well or at least good enough to probably make the tournament and be able to get in there uh, and have a chance at getting adding another title. Now, granted, things can change some of these teams could potentially drop out of contest for it, but um, you know, or not make it, but uh, as right now, those guys do. And so you look at all that and it makes things harder to assess like who's going to win it. Cause it kind of feels like it's more, there's a little bit more equal footing going on, but here we are and we're going to try it. So here's uh, my rankings. And again, this is not just here. And now this is who I think could potentially be the best team to win the tournament. Uh, but who knows? They may not. And uh, we may be back here in a couple weeks assessing this. But this is who I think are my top 10 best equipped to do so. So we'll start. Number 10 is Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin has good experience coaching. Greg Gard is their coach. Uh, he's been a head coach now for a couple years, uh, quite a few years. And before that, he was a longtime assistant uh, there as well. So I think he has a good idea of how they what they can recruit at Wisconsin and what they look for in their teams. Uh, they're generally always competitive, um, or one of the better teams, especially in a big 10. And then this beer in particular, they're a pretty good defensive team. They're holding teams to 6.8 re- offensive rebounds per game. That's your second best in the nation. As of this recording, they're 23rd in opponents defensive rebounds per game. So they don't let opponents get defensive rebounds very well either. Um, And they're second and opponent's total rebounds per game. So they they box you out and don't let you get rebounds, regardless of if it's offensive or defensive. They're also a very good defensive team by holding down team assists. So they're not letting a lot of backdoor cuts, a lot of other cuts, a lot of switch-ups where they get easy buckets, things like that. So solid defensively. Um, They hold other teams down in steals, so they're a good ball-handling team. And they get them to commit fouls, though, so they – are aggressive at getting into you, making you jump up, and all that kind of stuff to get you to, to commit fouls. One thing that Wisconsin is not very good at is they're not a very good three-point shooting team. They're only shooting about thirty-five percent, um, you know, which isn't super horrible. But a lot of the a lot of good championship-type teams will shoot thirty-six percent or above. So that's something they need to kind of kind of look at there um, or at least be more hyper-efficient in their two-point buckets. They have a good starting group, but I'm not so sure they're a deep team. They don't have a lot of minutes there on the, on the deeper bench. And I don't think they have really a guy that can come off the bench and really own backup minutes. So they're pretty reliant on their starting group. Uh, so they, this is a team that really can't afford an injury to one of their good starters and they also may have trouble against teams that are deep and that can put in a lot of guys and rotate guys in and out and stuff. So, but all that being said, when you're, when you're really good in defense and rebounds um, and you have pretty good uh, efficiency on offense, you're going to give a lot of teams trouble. Um, And when you're good in defensive uh, defense and rebounding, that's something that, typically will not fade away real fast um if anything you get better about that over the year so i think they're going to be a real solid team in that regard but they're number 10 because of a lot of the other stuff we mentioned so uh another team that's not real good at three-point shooting is tennessee and they're number nine here they're really bad at three-point percentages 33 percent and I'll get to that in a minute, but that's really bad for a big reason. So they're solid, they have solid depth with eight players over 12 minutes a game. Now, that's really good. That means that if something were to come up or happen, they can go all the way down to number eight and put in and, and be fine because they're used to those guys playing over 12 minutes a game. So they're going to be able to rotate guys in and out, stay fresh, wear you out. The one bad thing is that even though they have eight players over 12 minutes a game, they're a little high on the turnovers. Uh, And probably another big problem is uh, I believe they have one really good uh, center type player and they don't seemingly have a good backup for that person. So that's something that's a little bit bothersome to me. I know a lot of people had Tennessee ranked, I think four or five or even six, something like that uh, going into this week. I just can't put them up that high because between the three-point percentage and the lack of big rotation minutes for their big fellas, um, I just feel like there are a couple things away from from happening that other teams could take serious advantage of. Um, you know, it's kind of weird to me too because they do have like four guys on their roster that are 6'9 and over, but for some reason um, – they don't seem to play a bunch of them, a lot of good minutes. So maybe I'm wrong. Uh, this is something I'll be watching for, you know, as this, as I go along to update these rankings eventually it's to see if I'm just missing something here, but uh, they're also high on turnovers, So they're not a good three point shooting team. They're high on turnovers, not a lot of minutes at the forward spot, especially if they have an injury or something. It's just that that could be a lot to overcome if they get behind. Because you're already a high-turnover team, and then you're going to have to make up for that by shooting threes. That's not a good combination if you get you get behind. Tennessee's biggest strength will be in being hyper-efficient in the regular field goal and close to basket shots um, and staying ahead of teams. But they do have good defense against the pass and opponents' field goal percentage. So, you know, that's a big boon to them is that they can just – keep teams from even getting in front of them. So I guess that's a big thing, but I don't know. They, they, to me, just don't seem that strong right now. That may change. Uh, A team that does have a lot of good scoring depth as well, too, is Memphis. They have four players scoring around 10 points. Uh, They may be too dependent upon David Jones. Um, He creates a lot of things, does a lot of things for them. But I kind of wonder if, if something were to not be right with him, would they have other guys to be able to step up, take that over? I'm not sure as of this juncture. Uh, but again, they, they're, a really good te- they're, they're a really good team that plays as a team. And I think that's something that their coach, Penny Hardaway, really tries to enforce is, is that, that team, you know, using all their talents for the betterment of everybody on their team you know, which is why they have four players scoring around 10 points. They're not the best defensive team. I think Memphis can get really lax on defense for kind of no good reason. Um, but that does happen with this team. And so I would like Memphis a lot better if they would just be more defensively consistent, but they're not. And I think that's one of the areas that they'll get in trouble. And I also think that if a team can come along and limit David Jones, that that's going to hurt them too but Memphis always seems to find a way to, to surprise a little bit. So I got them up there and I I think they will continue that. Uh, A team that is really solid in scoring and all over is Baylor. There are four players also over 10 points per game, but they have two more that are about 9.5. So they have great scoring depth, uh, good coaching. They started off hot, like like 10 wins or something like that. And, but they've lost three games. I mean, in the last eight, so that's a little bit concerning. I don't know what you know. What do you guys think? There, it's you know, to me, it's yeah, it's a lot of games, eight games, and you're talking three losses. So I'm not sure if that's a big, a huge deal. But when you start off hot, pretty much undefeated, and now all of a sudden you lose three, I mean, is it that you got kind of punched and now you're you know, now you're not so sure of yourselves or what, but that's a little bit of cause for concern. Um, they, they're a very deep team. They, the eight solid for sure can go down to 11. Even, uh, some of their like nine through, uh, 11 guys have, I think it's like five minutes per game or something like that. So they're, they're not completely like out of the loop if they had to jump in and play more minutes. But even with all those players playing that many minutes there, they have turnover problems. Um, and that could be an issue. Um, so they score a lot, but they're also probably letting a lot of teams get more points than they should as well. Um, should be a better defensive team. And this is a team that they're, if they get cold, it can hurt them. And I think that's what caused some of their losses is they just were shooting shots up and they weren't going in. And, you know, but the other cause for concern with Baylor to me is that they have five seniors and three juniors. And it seems at times that there's not a really good leadership there. Um, so I don't know if they don't necessarily have guys that are just driven to lead or are good leaders, but there's something off a bit there. And that's one of the reasons why i kind of put Baylor back a little bit at number seven. I definitely think this is a team that could jump up more in my rankings, depending on what I see from them and seeing, you know, if I see some better leadership and stuff going on there, but, Baylor's a dangerous team, even despite the three losses in the last eight two games, uh, in the last eight games. Now Houston is a team that is well coached and possibly the best defensive team in college. Might be one of the deepest teams, and I I will definitely take some argument here if you guys want. Uh, I've seen people put Houston real high, you know, two or three even. So I'm I'm all for that. They could do that, and they do have um, ten players that do over 10 minutes points per game. So again, another team that can rotate bodies in on you and keep going and probably be able to overcome injury fairly easily. I know, you know, you always have disparity and I want to clarify something here because like I've said this already, I think in one other team, if not two other teams, but just because a guy can come in and replace a guy and still score 10 points and all that doesn't mean he's the same caliber player either. I just want to make that clear, but, but it is better typically when Say you have an injury to one of your five starters and you can look on your bench and say, okay, I know Jason over here who got hurt was our, you know, star kind of player, did really well, um, great leadership, all this. And then you look on your bench and you go, man, I, I don't have anybody I have played longer than this that I can trust in there. Yeah, yeah. And yet somebody like Houston's coach, uh, Kevin, can look down there and go, okay, I know he's not going to be as big of a playmaker or big as a star in whatever aspect, but I can put this guy in because he knows what we're doing. He knows how to do our plays. He knows his role. So that's where role players can come in handy because even if that role player you put in, and also, you know, in this case, like for Houston, uh, gets in there and plays, maybe he's not as good as what the other guy was, in two or three categories but he's still good in a couple others and if you have another guy on your bench that's also another uh you know 10 minutes per game a little bit different setup as far as what he does well the other guy struggles in those things but you need more of that other let's say like defensive end more versus like offense you still have a guy that's 10 points per game so it gives you options as a coach, even when somebody gets hurt and whatnot. So that's, that's one of the greatest things for Houston there. Now, they're not a good three-point shooting team. They're only 34%, so I think that could really bite them come tournament time, and they need to try to find a way to get that up. But Houston's never been a great three-point shooting team, so they always overcome that with great defense and, and efficiency on offense. They also don't have any player over 6'9 playing regular rotation minutes. So, they could suffer against teams that have seven footers, six foot ten guy, or six foot eleven guys, and up. You know, especially if a team has like two of them playing at the same time, Houston could maybe struggle with some of that. So, I've got them at six just because of the three point pursuiting, and I think they'll struggle against teams that have bigs, especially offensive bigs. Uh, Duke is obviously a team that I think. A lot of people are starting to put up higher than the number five where I have them. Uh, but if I do that to one of my friends, Mr. Kelly, he's going to jump all over me. <laughs> he's probably going to jump all over me for number five, but I'm going to put him at number five anyway. Um, now, one of the big questions I have for Duke is how good is the coaching? How good is John Shire? Um, I think we all know he's pretty good judging by last year. Um, and the fact that he's been understudying with Krzyzewski for a while now. But it takes some time to get your flow as a head coach. It takes some time to really establish not only your system, but getting your system down in the ways that you teach, train it, expectations, all those kind of things uh, for players. And it makes it even harder when you get players that leave on a yearly basis. And I'm not talking about like one or two, when you have half a team that turns over. So every year you're reinstituting that. Um, So, you know, but I think a good coach can get everybody uh, on the same page and get them to operate quickly and then just iron out details. And I think that's where we are with Duke. We're kind of just ironing out some details. Uh, they have four players score over 10 points, and they have one more close to it, like 9.4 or something. They have decent depth, one through eight, possibly through 10. They've had a couple guys play some sparing minutes down there every game uh, as well. Um, they overall they have great size and length throughout the roster. They may not have a good blocking center backup. Um, that may be one thing where we see struggles. You know, if a guy like Mark Mitchell goes out, then they don't really have great basket defense. But they still have good athletic size defense, so they can just do more as a team to make up for something like that. Um, Good points per game, good field goal, and three-point percentage. I think they're like 37 points up to percent. They're one of the top teams in assists. So a lot of good offense, not as great defensively, especially if Mark Mitchell's not in there. Um, I think sometimes they rely a little too much on Philip Kowski, especially at a five or four spot there, and can get in trouble if he's having a not-so-good game. So, but again, we're talking about kind of ironing out some details there. So I think they're, they're top, they're up there. Um, I just questioned some of their mental toughness. There's been games where I feel like they should have owned it better and they haven't. I do think that's gotten a little bit better over the season, but I think the book is a little bit out on them on that regard that you can attack them, get inside their head a little bit and make them not adjust as well. Um, and, again, I think they're overcoming that, but we'll see. We'll see as we keep going along here. Now, another uh, team that has a great coach is Kansas with Bill Self. He's our, uh, he's our only one on this list that has two championships. Now, Kansas, Kansas kind of bothers me. I got them ranked four, and I could pr- easily move them down. I could easily move them up. They only have three players in double-digit scoring. Only shooting about thirty-six percent from three, but they do have size, height, and length. They're probably one of the rosters out there that sort of has this like six-seven to six-nine. I think like four to five players in that realm. So it's kind of it's kind of daunting if you're another team, you know, playing Kansas. Like all of a sudden they trot out, you know, all these guys that are in that range of. Um, height and length and like you have to put up with that all across the board as far as like from guard to forward you know so it's uh it could be tricky for teams playing against them because you might be in there and you're thinking hey uh i've got this guard on me and all of a sudden this guy's got a long wingspan he's almost acting more like a ford in terms of his coverage on you than he is a guard (laughs) So I think, you know, that's something that uh, I think that's something that Kansas is going to, you know, to really bother a lot of teams on is with their, their height and their lengths, um, you know, and it's, it's kind of another team too, where, you know, you have a guy like Hunter Dickinson at center is a big guy, seven, two, six, 260 pounds, you know, uh, Parker Braun, 6'10", 235. Zach Clements, if he plays, 6'11", 230. You know, but you got Dylan White, 6'9", 240. John Furphy, 6'9", 200. And he's a guard, you know, at 6'9", and another guard at 6'8". So it's like, you know, and two of guys at 6'7", but in one's 6'7", 235 pounds. So they can kind of mix it up against you and, and make you just probably just feel smothered at times. Ironically, I don't think they're the best defensive team, despite all that height and length. Um, but they are holding opponents to 40% field goal, and again, that height, you know, along with the arm spans, I think makes teams difficult to shoot. That makes it hard for teams to shoot on them. As a team, Kansas is shooting 50%. Uh, Kansas is second in assist, but they're high in turnovers. So there's just kind of this like, for everything they do, they almost give something away. Um, you know, so it's kind of hard to judge where Kansas is, but it's just one of these teams where I feel like they should get better as the season goes. The one big thing about them, as I mentioned before, they only have three players in double digit scoring. I feel like they're an injury away from that being a disaster, especially with only 36% from three. So I think Kansas has to avoid injuries at all costs. Um, I think they also need to find a way to get that three point percentage up and they, they got to find somebody else to, to get them into having four scores rather than just three scores. So um, I just don't feel too strongly about them, but it is a team I'm interested to see more of. I, I do like that their second and assist and they're shooting 50% tells me they're hyper-efficient around the basket. And that's a really good thing. Um, if you can perfect that, and keep that going, it's still a hard thing for teams. You have to have a good defensive team, sort of like Houston, to stop that and force you out to the three. So uh, that's one thing I, I think Kansas is, is doing better than just about anybody. Uh, speaking of, now we kind of get to our top three, and we're going to see some defensive stuff here as well as some major offensive stuff here. So before I get to the top three, I just want to say that if you're enjoying this content, you're enjoying Just Sports. Uh, you can go on our Facebook page, Just Sports With John, look that up, and please make a comment. Let me know if there's something in college basketball you'd like me to talk about, if there's other topics across other sports. I'd be happy to have your comment there. And let me know if, if what you hear is what you like or if there's something else we can do. Uh, now, with that being said, i get back to college basketball here and reveal our top three teams. We have UConn, very good defensive team, Five players scoring at double digits, good depth, one through eight, good experience in roster, only shooting 35% from three. Turnovers could be a problem. They do about 10 a game. Uh, injury to a big man could be devastating, but a good coach, obviously, who's one one and Dan Hurley. So UConn being a, a very good defensive team and also having five players scoring at double digits is a big reason why they're up here. If you can play defense at a really good level – and then you can also have multiple people scoring, that's hard to beat. That right there alone is hard to beat because you can't limit any one guy. You And if on the other end they're keeping you from scoring and keeping you from doing things, it's, I mean, that's, that's a full game right there for any team playing against them. That right there is just grinding. Um, add on to that that UConn goes one through eight pretty well. Uh, with their minutes per game and things like that, so it's not like they can't make up for an injury of the starters that they had to. Um, the 35% from three definitely needs to be better. Um, they need to get that up if possible. If not, they need to stay hyper efficient in all their players scoring in double digits. And they do about a little. They do about 10 turnovers a game, so that could be a little bit of an issue as well. Um, so again, kind of one of these teams that. They don't want to get behind on teams and have to make up for a lot because you know, between turning the ball over and not shooting a great percentage from three could be troublesome if they were to get behind. I also noticed with their roster that they don't uh, have a lot of big man depth in terms of minutes per game. So an injury to one of their big men could be devastating. But otherwise, pretty solid as we've seen. Uh, they know how to score with several different people and they know how to play good defense. So, and I think their coaches, primary focus has been their starters and making sure that they have that spread out so that it's very, they're very hard to limit. Um, and I see them doing pretty well right now. Uh, you could definitely argue one through three for them for me. Uh, another team that you could argue is one through three for me as well. I don't know why somebody would put them lower is UNC, University of North Carolina. And uh, they have probably one of the best players in the country right now in R.J. Davis, 20 points per game. Uh, solid coaching um, with Hubert Davis and three more players over 10 points per game. They have good depth, one through eight. Am- Amando Baycott, a double-double machine. Um, so, you know, between R.J. Davis going off on you, scoring, and – Big hot getting the rebounds and the points. It's it's a hard team to cover inside and out. Um, you know, they, they really do make you work for it on the boards and guarding them. Uh, they're also a pretty good defensive and rebounding team. Not great, but good enough. And they have decent size too, or they have decent size as well. They may be too dependent upon R.J. Davis is something that I think I've seen at times where if he's not having a great game, it seems like their guard play really suffers. Um, I don't know if it just throws their other guards off because a lot of stuff runs through him. And then it's kind of like, Oh no, what do we do? Davis isn't having a great game. So I think they've gotten a little better about that during the season, but that's something they need to continue to, to know that they just shouldn't rely on all the time is RJ Davis and Baycock because if God forbid, both of them actually have a game where they're both not doing well. That's going to be really, really tough, I think, for UNC to overcome. And they're, you know, like we've had a lot of teams on this list, they can't get behind. Their three-point shooting is low. Um, But typically when you have a guy doing a double-double and doing massive rebounds like Baycott and you have a high score in R.J. Davis, you're probably not going to get behind very often. So I think, you know, whereas some of these other teams, I'd be really worried about that. UNC seems to be able to not have that as an issue a lot, um, which is why I'm putting them up at number two, because they have such a high score. Now, RJ Davis gets hurt, all bets are off, and they're going to be more like some of these other teams that you know don't have a superstar score and have to really not get behind. A team that is kind of like that, too, and our number one team is Purdue. Now, Zach Eadie's just a beast. I think he, uh, you know, has scored 20 points or more uh, a couple times this year already, and a double-double, I think, getting rebounds as well, too. So, he's just a beast. I mean, he's a hard guy to contend with, no matter what team you have. And Matt Painter is definitely a good coach. He hasn't won one yet, but he's definitely, you know, been pretty far in the playoffs a couple times. That's probably – his only knock is that he seemingly has games in the playoffs that just make kind of boggle your mind and go, why did he just get his butt kicked, you know? But, uh, I don't know. Purdue to me is they have better guard play this year than last year. I mean, they could be one injury away from disaster if, if Edie were to go down, but I know they have like another big guy on the roster. He just doesn't play a lot of minutes. I know they have like another, I think six, nine guy or so. So, It probably wouldn't be too bad off, but at the same time, it would, I think it would just cause, I say disaster because I think it would just cause a lot of anxiety and a lot of um, figuring out if that were to happen, you know. And the later something like that happens, closer to tournament time, the more devastating it's going to be just because you're so into that rhythm of that working that way. And uh, I just don't think it's something Purdue can really afford to have happen, but they do have four double double-digit scores. Um, So, and I mean, of course one of those is Edie, but so if he were to go down, they, they have three others that can do the scoring. They're not the best defensive team. And that's, again, I think a solid offensive team, somebody like UNC, somebody like Duke could come in there and, and give them a hard time. Um, because they they should be better defensively, but they're not. And that's probably the one knock on Purdue is that at times they just don't play good enough defense to uh, win like they should. If they could get that down, I I think hands down, they're by far the best team. But until they lock that down, you're going to have UNC, UConn, possibly Kansas, Duke all up there, maybe even a, a team like Houston or Baylor as well, jump in there and really mix it up for being the best team as well. Uh, but for now, that's our top 10, and I'll recap that for you guys. We want to condense that here. So we have number 10, University of Wisconsin. Number 9, University of Tennessee. Number 8, University of Memphis. Number 7, Baylor University. Number 6, Houston, or University of Houston. Uh, we have Duke University. We have University of Kansas. Uh, University of Connecticut, Yukon and University of North Carolina at number two, and number one, Purdue University. That is the top 10. I hope you guys enjoyed this list, and as always, you can get this podcast on Amazon Music, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Radio Public, and where this is hosted, redcircle.com. If you have any comments, questions, things you would like for me to do or approach in, The podcast, please go on to Facebook.com, go to Groups, look up Just Sports with John. You can post there, give me a comment on that. I appreciate it. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening. And uh, soon we'll probably be a return back to NFL and NBA. We'll be doing some more of those things coming soon. I might even look to do something with hockey down the road at some point. But again, feel free to put your input in that. I thank you guys for listening to Just Sports. I was your host, John Cawthon. And go out there and be a good sport.